Bienvenidos and welcome to episode 40, the season finale of the Jacobin Sports Show. I am Matthew Miranda, joined as always by NYC's prodigal son who hath returned, at least temporarily, Jonah Birch. Jonah Birch, I feel like you have not been on the show in so long. I know. The Jacobin mailroom flooded with letters from listeners wanting to know where is Jonah, how is Jonah? Why is Jonah? What do you have to say to our many concerned listeners? Like Moses, I'm destined to spend 40 years wandering the desert and then die at the age of 800. You know, that uh, that is my destiny. Mainly, I've just been watching Man in the Arena and uh, reliving the Patriots' glory years. And <laughs> can I just say, God, do I love Tom Brady. I mean, I love him so much. I, I I don't care. I I just it's there's he just brings joy to my heart. I get it because I love Mike Piazza and like the conversation has to end with that sentence. Yeah, there, there, there's and, and by the way, it's <laughs> offensive that you would even compare them. You know, it's you know you would like to think Mike Piazza is the white ethnic Tom Brady. You know the uh, the the Pisons <laughs> Tom Brady, but he was never that kind of winner. You know, never ever 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 ever. So. I would say through no fault of Mike Piazza's. I mean, I could live to be 800 and not see the Mets win another title. So but you're right. Tom Brady definitely exists on some level above Mike Piazza until, you know, five years after he retires and they find out that TB12 was basically like HGH. Oh, that is bullshit. <laughs> you know, what horseshit? No, you're right. You're right. You're right. He's 45 and playing like he did 15 years ago. It's totally normal. <laughs> Look, and we've he does up. It's plyometrics or something. We've never seen a Boston area athlete cheat before. So let's move on. Oh, my God. We don't want to. Jonah, have you, since returning to New York City, have you had a bacon, egg, and cheese? You know, I I haven't. And I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to change my diet a little bit. But the siren call of the bacon, egg, and cheese is. What is your breakfast sandwich of choice? No, no, I I would definitely go with bacon, egg, and cheese, like, okay. automatically. The question is, with ketchup or without? See, okay, I prefer sausage, so I would get ketchup with sausage. But with bacon, I don't need ketchup. There's enough salt already. Like, I don't need that. See, this is that. how I know you're a true, like, upstater, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, a, a New York City, uh, you know, sausage. No, no, no. It's bacon. It has been many years up here. I have developed quite a taste for sausage. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie about that. This is what being in the provinces does to you. You become a, like a country bumpkin, or you know, <laughs> you live on a farm. I, you know, I don't know how it works. What are you? What? What are you? What, one of the city fathers talking about the provinces? What is this about? <laughs> <laughs> oh my good lord! <laughs> okay. Well, as long as we're looking back in time, we're gonna look back today. Well, maybe we won't. We might look back at some things from 2021, but really, um, we just want to kick our feet up and talk about whatever is happening right now in the world of sports that has caught our fancy. Um, Jonah, I know you have thoughts about this. I I do. So the the breaking news from Boston is that the Celtics have signed former Celtics draft pick, Joe Johnson, who has not played in the league in four years. Joe Johnson. Yeah. This is what, this is what. Big three legends, Joe Johnson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. COVID, you know, brings many, many negatives, obviously. (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> many. But the, so the Celtics signing Joe Johnson to a 10-day contract, uh, and he is expected to play tonight, uh, is a uh, positive? Strange bedfellows. Yeah, I, was, I thought it was bizarre last night watching the Knicks game and seeing Damian Dotson back after, like, less than two years away. But as a, as a hardship signing, Joe Johnson, I don't think anyone in the league is beating that one. Like, like That's great. You know? That's great. That's he's got to be 62 years old, you know. I'm and you not, know he's going to walk right in and get like 11 points. He's going to yeah, he's going to hit five threes tonight. That's true. Yep. Let me ask you a question: Do you feel like the Nick Nick struggles have uh, uh, are they somehow related to my hiatus from the from the Jacobin Sports Show? There has been noticeably less effervescence in their stuff, which I have attributed to just not having Jonah Birch on the brain because I have felt that way myself. Um, Can we just talk about Julius Randle and uh, Knicks fans have turned on Julius Randle, I, you know, I, it, faster than voters have turned on Joe Biden and the Biden. I, I feel like this and Biden was, deserves it, I would say, but he's, he got, I don't know about Julius Randle. OK, that's interesting. So you feel like Julius Randle is being unfairly maligned. A thousand percent. Yeah. Um, every starter has struggled around. It's not like. Everyone else is pulling their weight and Randall is struggling. Everybody is struggling. Everyone they brought in for their offense has been inconsistent shooting. Mitchell Robinson, who missed a ton of time with a, a foot, basically a foot fracture, has only recently begun to look like he's in the conditioning to be who he has been. They have RJ Barrett has regressed this season. Randall, ha- there are things you can criticize Randall for, but when I watch Randall struggle, it's not, and I feel like, I, I I could spin a whole 3,000 word article about this. Like Randall is struggling, but he's not the kind of person who, when he struggles, like starts putting up all the shots. Like he's still always looking to pass. He doesn't get selfish. And, and, and because of that, I think in part because of that, in part because he doesn't hide his body language. And when things are good, fans like that. He's very joyful when things are good. When he struggles, his body language is not good. It doesn't reflect to me any more apathy than I see when LeBron complains about a call or when when anyone does. But um, he's the highest paid player on the Knicks. Things aren't going well. But it's disgusting to me to see not just Randall, but also Tom Thibodeau. Um, last year, this was your coach of the year and your most improved player. And now basically Tibbs is an idiot who doesn't know anything about basketball. And Randall is this selfish and, and I think it's, it goes all kinds of ways. He's selfish because he got his new contract, so he doesn't care. He's screwed up because he can't live up to the contract, and he knows it. He, you know, like, and I just feel like when Phil Jackson came to the Knicks, one of the only things he got right his whole time there, he said in his introductory press conference, and it bothered people, and I was surprised he went there, but he went there almost right away. He talked to the media, which I think was a way of talking to the fans about, you know, we need you guys also to like be patient, basically to help because it, it makes it harder for us. And nobody wants to hear particularly highly compensated Phil Jackson calling out the media and the, and by extension, I think the fans. The reality is if I'm a free agent or a star itching for a trade and I see Julius Randle in six months go from MVP chance to fuck this guy, then maybe I don't want to go to New York. Um I, I find it very gross, and I, I really hope that 
It's frustrating. He's not the same player as he was a year ago. He's not sure. Why, why is that? Why is he not the same player? I think some of it is how defenses are playing him. Last season, Randall had a ton of success often post starting out of post-ups against big, strong fours and fives who he's quicker than or was better than. Everyone this year is guarding him. When he gets the ball out at the elbow, they're all guarding him with guards, little yeah. dudes who have quicker feet. And Randall's not looking to – that's his thing. He's not looking to barrel those guys down and score. He's really looking to, to kick out and pass. But um, And also some of it is just there's no spacing because the Knicks centers have been terrible all season and nobody on the team can shoot. Yeah. So that's Julius Randall. Um, and what ha, what about Kemba? <laughs> this is getting awkward with Kemba. Why? I love Kemba. No, no. Be, look, he scored 29 against the Celtics. No, I don't have a problem with Kemba. My problem is, I think, two things. I don't, it's clear that Tom Thibodeau didn't want Kemba Walker. It's clear. Yes. It's obvious he didn't want him. Um, yeah. And there's a problem there. Kemba and Thibodeau, according to Kemba, it sounds like they haven't spoken since he was demoted. We're not sure if that means they haven't spoken about it or if they haven't spoken, period. Uh, Kemba, I, I, I wrote this a few days ago. The Knicks have this unique energy where they somehow possess, at the same time, too many point guards and none. So right before Kemba went down, Miles McBride, the rookie, had a brilliant, just all-around amazing debut game. Then he immediately went into protocol. McBride brings things no one else on the team does. He's a ferocious point-of-attack defender. Kemba brings things on offense that nobody else brings. Thibodeau doesn't care. Thibodeau played Alfred Payton all season and into the playoffs, despite people like ready to commit mass suicide over it because Payton is 6'3 and Thibodeau wants to switch. Right. And Kemba can't do that. But I feel like the last couple of games we've seen that like you're not that blessed at the position where you can be like, ah, we don't need Kemba Walker and his 20 or 30 points a game. Like, I don't think the Knicks are so blessed that they can take that attitude. I don't know what the answer is because Kemba has been very clear that he wants to start and he, at least that he wants to play. And I feel like right now the Knicks have, they thought depth was their strength, but they have a few too many people who want to play and not enough spots for them. And I don't know where that's going to go, but uh, Kemba has been nothing but admirable. He's handled it very, very well. Everyone yep. says behind the scenes, like, He's ex- extremely encouraging of his teammates. He's working, you know, hard. He's optimistic. So no beef with Kemba. Um, I hope he can stay and work it out. I don't get the sense this coach wants him on the team. Are you prepared for a Chicago Bulls, Cleveland Cavaliers, Eastern Conference Finals? That's not true. The Nets will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, yeah, I'll take it because then that means the Nets aren't. Yeah, are out. Yeah. That actually, it, w- it would be kind of fun, huh? What if DeMar DeRozan really is a star and, you know... And and we've just all been wrong about him, you know. And I feel like that would be more. That would be more of a narrative twist than like the natural. Like that would be the most bizarre. Like I see DeRozan like shooting the game-winning fadeaway in the finals, and like the lights explode, and Ben Close is clapping on the sideline or something. I I like DeMar DeRozan. I don't. Bulls Cavs could be I the Cavs have been really this year's Knicks like they're they're well I mean Evan Mobley is yeah Evan Mobley is incredible he's it a player happens to a worse franchise because Dan Gilbert is such a trash can of a person yeah 
But Evan Mobley is yeah, uh, as opposed to the rest of our owners who are just fucking joys. joys well, let me of- say this. Let me say this specifically about Dan Gilbert. For Dan Gilbert to run the Cavaliers so ineptly, yeah, that LeBron James wanted out in the first place. I know to write that absurd Comic Sans letter <laughs> the Comic Sans. <laughs> to drag his son to every draft lottery as a, a rabbit foot. I know when the top pick. I think. Three out of four years? Yeah. Three out of four years, I think. Still, LeBron comes back. You still fuck it up. Yep, he did. And now since he left again, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, like, it's just not fair. They don't deserve it. Like, not a lot of teams do deserve it, but they really don't deserve it. You mean Dan Gilbert doesn't. What about the fans of Cleveland? Gotta say, I, you know, and I, you know, at this point, we're just like, fuck it. I, I think I'm with uh, Joakim Noah on this. You know, what's so great about Cleveland? I don't hear anyone <laughs> saying I want to go on vacation to Cleveland. I'll say, you know what? Here's what I'll say. Fuck the, as long as we're burning all bridges at the end of 21, I'm going to play the Jonah Bird troll and alienate a whole fan base by saying fuck the Cav fans. Because and I know it's not all of them. When LeBron left, their behavior was so disgusting. Like it's unfathomable to anyone in Cleveland, Ohio, that if you were in your mid-20s and could go live in South Beach with your best friends or stay home to punch in every day with Mo Williams and fucking Matthew <laughs> Della Vadova, right? Like, no, you can't no. I don't, I don't I you got say, you your man. title, you got you your title. That's what you wanted. 54 years. Enjoy. No, no. It. The second time he left, they were they were chill about it. They they were like, okay, because they were appeased. Peace. But I'm saying the first time he left. It was brutal. Like they burned his jersey. Okay, but come on, fan bases do that. <laughs> I mean, I look. I, I'm just saying, fan base is overreacting. I, this is perhaps the least least objectionable, angry response ever. Not only was LeBron James the center of their sporting universe in Cleveland the linchpin of their team, the foundation of their franchise. He was the center of their city's like culture and economy. And he left in a way that was difficult, let's say. And I understand the worm has turned on that whole era of the NBA. And everyone is like, you know, the decision, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go down the same way now. At the time, it was a it was a tough way for that to go. It really was. I don't know what to say. It doesn't mean, you know, you're totally right. If you're LeBron James, you know, you're in your mid twenties, you want to go to South Beach and go play with Dwayne Wade, and you know, and Chris and a better at a better business place too. There was no question. It wasn't just a different. It wasn't a lateral move. Yeah, but you it can was understand why job. the fans were upset. You know, here's the thing though. There's a there's a there's a spectrum of like fan obviously drives from fanatic there's a spectrum of acceptable insane behavior like <clears throat> the knicks play way too much of a role in my in my mood sometimes like that's part of being a fan if the yeah. knicks lose to washington tomorrow i'm going to be more down than i should be that's the thing well that would be bad you know, but the, that would be a tough the wizards are ahead of them but the thing is it's true if your team i always remember this with the knicks when the knicks traded for Carmelo Anthony. Everybody wanted that trade. Everybody in New York was fiending for that trade. Chauncey Billups had to be included for the deal to happen. And, and, and Danilo, Danilo Gallinari had to go the other way. 
Gallinari did not want to be traded. He had wanted to be drafted by the Knicks. He had a connection with Mike D'Antoni. He loved playing in New York. Chauncey Willis was vocal about his kids were in school. He didn't want to be away from them, and he didn't want to uproot his family. Nobody gave a shit, and that's fine. When we talk about trades, we don't care. That's fine. But then you can't, and I know it's not about rationality and fairness, but I can't complain when player X wants to leave, and I'm like, where's the loyalty? When we're all like, oh, we can trade these four guys for a star and fuck what they think. Like, like I get the whole argument. I really do. I'm not, um, <laughs> you know, the whole argument for player empowerment. And you're right. I, I mean, this goes back a long time. I, I mean, I talk to my class a lot about the development of free agency in baseball and Marvin Miller mm-hmm. coming out of the Steelworkers and in the 60s building that union and the Kurt Flood case. And, the, and I talked in my uh, sociology of sports class. You know, and the arguments about equity and and fairness and, you know, not, you know, whatever, just like how can how can teams trade players, but players are not, you know, this capitalist free market that we promised them they're not allowed to take advantage of. uh, And there's there, there are demands on them. And, you know, and and so you can fast forward that. And I totally get it. Like teams are teams are ruthless generally. Not always. Players should do what's best for them, whatever they feel is best for them. I, I I totally agree with that. What I'm saying though is, I don't know. Cleveland fans getting really pissed about it and and burning LeBron James's jersey on television. I within the 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 realm of of angry responses that does not seem particularly out of control to me. I guess is what I would say. And I and to be honest. If you were there mm-hmm. in that context, you know, you, I think you would have been out there, you know, with a with a lighter and and you know some lighter fluid. Listen, when Alfred Payton left last year, I controlled my emotions. <laughs> I didn't do anything. He really um, does. Tibbs is not. I, we should have known that a tiny six foot guard who's just in cape, you know, no matter how hard he works. He, defensively, he's never Kemba Walker was never going to fit with with in Tom Thibodeau's system, right? I mean, it just wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, this how about your team. how about your team? What are you making of your? I just think I think they're treading water, and uh, you know, look, it, uh, it's a team that once again I overrated going into the season. They could figure some things out. I mean, I think they're better than they're, they've played. Jalen Brown was out for a while. Fundamentally, though, there needs to be a, a trade made, and it's got to be a trade to bring in a third star. Uh, you know, somehow. Are you giving up Marcus Smart to get that third star? Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, you can't be a 500 team forever, you know? And Jason Tatum has not made the leap that people wanted, at least not yet. Uh, and Jalen Brown has been injured. I think I'm more concerned about his, his, you know, uh, about his uh, quad than uh, other people seem not that worried about it, but including the team, you know, I, I just, it feels like they're, they're kind of fucking around basically, you know? Um, now, I don't know. There are worse positions you could be in. For example, Ours. <laughs> well, I wasn't even, I was thinking of the Lakers, but, uh, you know. Uh, I was waiting for you to make that segue. No, no. I, you know, by the way, I saw Carmelo get ejected. I was watching that game. Oh, Carmelo is totally right. 
He got kicked out. Yeah, he got kicked out. He got he he clearly got fouled on a three, okay. uh, and it was a, a blatant. And the ref just wasn't looking, mm-hmm. and missed a blatant foul. Uh, and um, Carmelo, you know, started cursing him out. And uh, you know, I'm now that the Lakers are mediocre, I feel like I have a lot of sympathy for them. You know, <laughs> I, I I really do. You know, um, so don't be like that. Don't be like that. If you if, if if in like 1945 there's a knock on your door in like Italy, this like is a, so good. I like where are you? Uh, yo, you went Italy, not Germany. Come on, I'm taking Italy because no, too... stand by the courage of your convictions. If you're gonna uh, okay. make this analogy, make you're, the analogy. You, you have a beautiful cottage on the Rhine, yeah, and there's a knock on your door, and Hitler, covered in a you know a, a robe of some sort, is clearly frazzled and hurting and looking for a respite. Do you feel bad for Hitler because he's fallen slightly from better times? <laughs> I, I don't know how many. Ju- uh, I you know, First, I asked him to paint me a picture. You know, just a little artwork, you know, can replace the some of the anyway. Right. Uh, no, I do not. I, 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 I feel like I don't feel bad for Hitler. No, that's, that's true. fair. And, I, and fair, fair. So the Lakers I'm gonna, are I'm gonna, we're going to title today's episode. I don't feel bad for Hitler. I don't feel bad for Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> but you feel a little bit. What what is it you think is that the Lakers aren't a threat? Is it that they're in a similar position to Boston and like you want to see? Both no, they're, we're not in a similar position at all. They have an aging roster of overpaid stars who clearly don't fit together. And, um, you know, look, I'm, I, I don't really feel bad for them, but I, I you know. It, it's a weird year in the NBA, right? I mean, it's a weird Hard year, man. obviously. Golden State uh, has uh, ob- is obviously much better than I thought they were going to be. And yeah. by the way, the reason is not, it's not just that Steph is great. It's obviously, you know, and Clay hasn't come back yet. I, you wonder if, h- how he's going to fit, you know, after two seasons away on it's because they have done an incredible job finding talent in, uh, you know, in, you know, obscure places, basically, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, that really what it is, is what it is. It's um, uh, the, some of the, the yeah, I, I, I mean, I underestimated that franchise and their ability to, I mean, Jordan Poole is whatever, yep. you know, the I, trade that they made. That's really worked well for both teams in very different ways. Was when they traded D'Angelo Russell, and they got the Timberwolf pick. Um, I think two picks. I think Wiseman was from Minnesota, and I think so was um, um, Kuminga. Yep. Um, to get those guys, so now they have. And the other day they they rested a bunch of their starters, including Curry and Draymond. Kuminga played and had like twenty five points. He looked um, very promising. That's worked out great for both teams because Golden State has been much better than I even hoped that they would be. And Minnesota, after another rough start, um, has really turned it around. They're yeah, not, yeah. you yeah. know, they're they're only a game under. They're they're a game out of out of fifth in the West. Um, Anthony Edwards looks wonderful. Um, Jaden McDaniel's um, certainly Towns and D'Angelo Russell has really has played well in ways that in the past I don't think people associated with him you're hearing a lot about his leadership you're hearing things about his defense um always liked him and very happy to see 
especially for a fan base that like doesn't normally be given things to be like happy about. Um, it's nice to see Minnesota and what's your friend's name? Uh, the Sacramento fan in front of the pod. Lucas. Yeah. Sacramento Kings also oddly enough at 13 and 19 in the play in picture right now, as you're saying, man, everything is weird. Like but I didn't think just go back would... to the Jordan pool thing for one second. Yeah. 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 That guy, he was a 28 pick. I mean, that's, that's finding gems. And the guy is making $2 million this year, you know, like anyway. Yes. But everything else you said is, is right. Yeah. Bizarre. And we've got, you know, Chicago's two in the East. Cleveland is third. Washington slumping is still seventh. The Knicks and the Hawks are are out. The Knicks are out right now. The Hawks are out in the West. Portland is out. Um, the West has been a, a really weird, you know, as I, I really feel like the East is right now better than the West. Um, not at the top, 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 yeah. But like once you get past Memphis in the West at number four, nobody else in the West is is more than a game over 500. Denver and the Clippers are just you know barely straggling by. Um the West has been weird this year, which probably will make for a pretty crazy playoffs because it looks like especially with Anthony Davis out for a while. I know I felt last year until the playoffs, like as long as the Lakers are healthy, you know, who wants to play the Lakers? Yep. But by struggling so much, they had to get Phoenix in the first round and they couldn't handle that. And they don't look right now without Davis for a month to a month and a half, basically taking them up to almost the all-star break. They're probably going to have to go through the play-in again. And right now in the West, the play-in consists also of Dallas um, the Clippers could fall down like Minnesota's on the rise. That's not an easy play in. Um, no, I, no, I, I mean, it's hard to, given how weird everything has been, you know, the last few seasons, including this season, you don't really know what direction things are going to go in after, you know, come the spring, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it's hard to know how much of this will be sustained, how much things will change you know right yeah totally this is i I still think there's a lot of bizarre twists coming this year um once russell westbrook figures it out uh you know and turns the lakers around and and what about Kawhi? is Kawhi gonna is Kawhi coming back is you know yeah everything i've heard is it's unknown it's still unknown right you know let me let me let me give you another nba uh story to deal with okay this quote from Adam Silver regarding the NBA has, has had now over 100 players um, with COVID. They are changing and expanding the rules to allow for more um, hardship signings like the Joe Johnsons of the world. Um, sports all over the world. Pandem- the, the Premier League has canceled a ton of games. Football has rescheduled things. The hockey players voted not to participate in the Olympics so they can use um, the built-in break in the season to fit in all their games that have been canceled. And then Adam Silver, the neoliberals' favorite progressive commissioner, said this, quote, no plans right now to pause the season, but frankly, we're having trouble coming up with what the logic would be behind pausing right now. Jonah, if Adam Silver were on the Jacobin hotline right now saying to you, there's really no logic to even pausing the season. What would you say to Mr. Silver? 
I understand other people disagree with this. I, I, I actually agree that it doesn't make sense to, to pause the season. And also I, I can't, I can't deal emotionally with the idea of a complete shutdown of sports again. You know, I mean, that just seems overwhelming now what I, you know, and also given what we know about the virus and I'm not, whatever, I, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I'm not going to pretend that I've followed all the ins and outs in the last couple of months. It does seem like if, if your players are vaccinated, you know, the vast majority of the NBA is right. Okay. You can sustain, you know, this is sustainable. What I guess would make sense to me is the idea that you're going to not, you're going to play games without fans for yes. some period of time. Exactly. Uh, and given, I mean, how, you know, I'm in back in New York city. How many people do I know who have tested positive in the last it's, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's a lot. And obviously the numbers in terms of hospitalizations and deaths are down, um, you know, and people hopefully are getting boosted, you know, booster shots. I think it's, it actually, I got, I got my booster a couple of weeks ago. I think it was, it's much easier in Milwaukee than it has been for people here in the city, but it just, it does seem logical that you're going to play without fans for some period of time. Um, because otherwise, I mean, I, you know, I think what the, I just saw the Nets, their game is postponed because the they Portland don't game is postponed because the Blazers can't field enough players, I think. Right. And the, the Nets, Nets barely can themselves. Yeah. I think the Nets, uh, I mean, I, anyway, um, I, you, you don't want that situation, obviously, you know, obviously the NBA is very worried about the Christmas day games. Those are big for them. Right. Um, you know, so uh, that it seems to me is something that just seems logical. But what do I know? You know, that's what strikes me as as potentially the question and the concern is. Obviously, a lot of things are different than when the pandemic started, but I'm very thrown by the fact that when Rudy Gobert tested positive, that shut down the league. It was one guy. It shut down the league. Every team now is struggling to field even a and they're not every team is struggling is struggling to field like a, a makeshift roster at this point just sure. to play. And I I feel more like you're saying like if they if they were like we're gonna keep playing but no crowds, like okay, I maybe I maybe I'm okay with that. But like I'm watching I'm, I was covering the Nick game last night and you see the crowd behind the basket and something, you know, Mitchell Robinson blocks a shot and, and all these people are jumping up and like screaming and celebrating. And you're like, how I, I don't, I, I don't I totally hear that. I, you know, let me, let me say this. I, and I, you know, I know lots of people disagree with this. The left cannot be in a position where it's response to everything COVID related is shut it down. Right. I mean, that's, listen, what, what is going to end up? I, again, I know lots of people disagree with this. In my opinion, it really pushes people. It pushes them right into the arms of the Trumps of the world. Right. Well, let me ask you, okay. Let me yeah. ask you about that then. If that's the case, is it not the case 
if we had to guess which, if you want to split the country into factions, if you had to guess which faction is most responsible for the virus continuing to exist and mutate, would you pick the left, the right, or ascribe like equal responsibility? Well, but I, well, <laughs> um, I, of, so of course, the, of course, the right. Uh, I mean, I, I overall, I, I would, I, it's, it's, I, I would think about it a little bit more. I would think about it a little bit differently, right? Okay. You know, so I think there are a number of. This is my half-ass take on all this. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to say anything original. There are a number of issues here. I mean, you know, first of all, vaccinating the rest of the planet. Uh, you know, yes. the the way in which that's gone down and the, the yes. refusal to to distribute the vaccine, produce mass produce and distribute it to everyone on Earth is 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 going to be bad for everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I think there are also there's a lot of complicated sociological and political reasons the way that not all of which or most of which I don't have my head wrapped around where there are large parts of this country where there is a real suspicion of institutions and authorities, right. You know, and that, you know, it's a lot of rural areas, but of course, but also, you know, in, in a lot of suburbs. Yeah. And, and just, you know, there's a lot of working class people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of survey data that shows for the last 60 years, trust in basically every institution of American society has collapsed, you know, and for reasons that have go well beyond anything that, you know, tr- like trust science, those kinds of slogans can solve, right? It's, right, right it can right. address. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I, it's, there's a way in which the kind of faux anti-vax or, or actual anti-vax politics of the right is an expression of something deeper, yeah. I, I would say, Agreed. you know. Agreed. I do think that the way to deal with it, like I, I just, there's a lot of different venues where I just see people on the left, their response to everything COVID related is stop, shut it down. You know, shut, shut down, don't shut down sports, shut down. Every, and that is just an, a, dis, I just think it's a total disaster of a message politically. It's not going to happen. And the kind of self-righteous way in which it's posed, you know, is, is not, it's not helpful and it doesn't address, it's not helpful and it doesn't address the, now I'm not, you know, because there are smart solutions, I, I, you know, or ways of thinking about this. And of course you don't trust sports leagues because they're trying to make money. Right. And that's their priority. yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I personally don't think the the message, our message, should be shut down the NFL and the NBA right now. You know. But do you think the good, um, the good compromise is no fans for you know? No fans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. All right. So basically, like the whole league looks like a Nets game. Is what you're saying? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were off there. I'm sorry. Uh, we're I'm just sorry. giving up now. Good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. No, um. no. <laughs> it's good. Lean into it. I, I very much am this year. Um, the more it looks like the Knicks aren't going anywhere, the, the more I take a very strong interest in what the Nets are doing. Now, can I ask you, because now I, this is what we talked about the last time. We Now that Kyrie is coming back, since I'm back on this pod, I believe that's why Kyrie is coming back. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, there may be a relation there. Do you, 
how do you feel about the Kyrie will only play away games uh, solution to this problem? Um, it feels to me very practical for the Nets because they desperately need him. Yeah. It suggests to me that, and I thought this when they first announced their, he's not playing at all. I really thought at the time, like if they're playing well, they look great and it puts the pressure on Kyrie. But if they're struggling, like they're going to have to give in to him at some point. I don't mean to phrase it that way, but if they're struggling, their standards are going to relax. And I think they have. I don't remember ever seeing that kind of arrangement for a player. I'm, 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 I'll be interested to see how it goes, but then, do we then believe in the playoffs that he's, I mean, is he only going to play road games in the playoffs? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I mean, I don't, it would seem to me like, like maybe behind the scenes, there's, I, I don't know what to trust, but there was some article about, and this, I don't understand this because it had nothing to do with Kyrie's stated reasons for not getting vaccinated, but there was an article that once there was a, a vegan option. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure he was vegan, and I didn't hear that before, but... Yeah, he's vegan. He's a vegan. Yeah, I think so. So maybe there's a compromise where they tell him, like, look... well, You know who else was a vegetarian was Hitler, so (laughs) what does that tell you? You know, If you were in your house on the Rhine and there was a knock on your door, Kyrie (laughs) Irving showed up unvaccinated. Yes, and I... Can you give me a plant-based vaccine? That's... (laughs) Um, So I'm assuming they will let him play on the road with the understanding that he'll get some form of vaccine before the playoffs and therefore be able to play all the games. Cause I can't see any wisdom in only doing this for the regular season or extending it to the postseason. It doesn't make any sense. I feel like him and Cole Beasley should form a club who just got COVID by the way. And it's like, yeah, yeah, he got COVID. And uh, so now he's out for the Patriots games. And he's like, it's not the COVID that's keeping me out. It's the rules. Yes, you're I like, saw that. You're I like, saw- okay, dude, I, I feel like it's the COVID a little bit. I'm pretty bit, sure it's the virus. You know? <laughs> I think we put the virus and the rules and the virus is going to Wow. Well, yep. Cole Beasley somehow feels like the perfect athlete to maybe close our, our season out with because he just, he's he's so many things of what, if Cole Beasley showed up at your house on the Rhine and was like, hey, I'm Cole Beasley, would you put him on trial for war crimes, you know, and crimes against <laughs> humanity? I would ship Cole Beasley via a third par- a third country's secret service to like... The what? To, so to the, the, like the an off-the-map site. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Like Siberia. Cole Beasley, right. which really won't be a big transition for him coming from Buffalo. Right. That's that's true. <laughs> right to Siberia. He'll be fine. He should have faced Soviet justice. That's true. Cole Beasley. <laughs> Secondary headline today of today's episode: Cole Beasley should have faced Soviet justice. <laughs> We're gonna hit the right and the left today. Hey. Um, yeah. So, anything else, Jonah, that you want to get? Uh, get oh, no, I don't know. How do we feel about the Mets? Thrilled. Very, very, very happy. Um, to have. A typical mid all season would have been hiring some like cheap no name manager, um, pretending to take a shot at Starling Marte, but not really be involved with him, and then trade for a similar outfielder coming off of a serious injury who could be a bargain and never getting, you know, even near Max Scherzer. So, as a Met fan, I'm very, very excited. Um, I love Buck Showalter as a manager, I always have. Um, 
there's no, I don't think there's anyone else that could have hired that would have been as exciting. Um, you know, and given that and Manchester City's just hegemonic dominance of the Premier League, I'm well covered outside of the Nick disappointment this season. Um, like, it's not like, let's say I rooted for the Celtics and Liverpool. It's not that kind of a situation. Liverpool is three points out. <laughs> Gunning your head right now. Who wins the Premier League title this year? Well, City does. That's right. No. Are you, are you? I mean, you it depends on what sympathy? happens. Let me ask you this. What? Do you feel any of the same sympathy that you do for the Lakers for Manchester United? Um, huh. uh, wow. Maybe. They have been well knocked off their effing perch. Do you like them where they are now, or does some... no? No, I'm I'm very happy with the present okay. situation. Of okay. course, you know. <laughs> yes, I, you know. And now I feel bad for Ole Gunnar Skoljard. Skull, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, anyway. Whatever you know. <laughs> That's my attempt at Norwegian pronunciation. Yeah, I don't. I don't miss. I thought when I started following. Soccer, United was still like dominant, and it was always like it was the biggest thing as a city fan to like try to get United. And they've been pretty bad now for like a number of years. And like I'm totally comfortable with it. Like right. it does not bother me one little bit. The Mets look like they might finally pass the Yankees. City is way ahead of United. Um, you know, the Nets have won one play- the Nets have won one more playoff series than the Knicks have since they got Durant and Kyrie and Harden. Like, this is about as good as my schadenfreudic heart ever gets right now as a sports fan. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I have nothing to, you know, I have I have no response to that. Hey. Let us end our year with that exclamatory, just schadenfreude. That, that feels like the best note for us to end on. Uh, I want to thank everybody for being with us in this episode and really in this season. Um, we will be back after New Year's with our next episode. You can um, follow the Jackman Sports Show on Twitter at Jackman Sports and email us any thoughts or questions or non-spam at Jackman Sports at gmail.com. Our producer is renowned family man Connor Gillies. That's all for this week and this year. We will be in touch with you all soon. Have a good holiday or non-holiday, everybody. Mm-hmm.